What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three box office scoundrels with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm calling it now, guys. Morbius will win Best Picture this year. I'm Keith Baker, and I hope Luke gets to work on his power converters in the Obi-Wan show. And I'm Austin Terry, and after 14 years, The Rock will finally release Black Adam this year. What a time to be alive. Wow. I mean, and it really is a shame, Austin, because that probably would have won Best Picture, but unfortunately, Morbius is coming out this year. (laughs) Maybe Dwayne Johnson will win uh, Best Actor. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably. I mean, who else would win it? But on today's show, we're going to be taking a look ahead at the release schedule of 2022. But before we get into all that good stuff, Austin, how was our year-end special? Man, our year-end special was fun. Uh, We took a look back at 2021 and gave out all kinds of awards. We gave out some serious awards, like the best movie of the year. Uh, We, of course, gave out the worst movie of the year. But I think where things got interesting is where we brought our own little flair to our awards. We, of course, brought back the honorary Mark Hamill Most Improved Actor of the Year. And Keith threw out a new award that I think we're going to repeat every year. And that was the most WTF writing moment of the year. Uh, We had a ton of fun on that show. Go check that out to find out who won which award. I thought you were going to say the Owen Wilson uh, Wow Award. (laughs) That had a good winner, I would say. But the WTF Writing Award is a fun one. Yeah, exactly. That was a great episode. Honestly, going in, I was like, we've already done the award special before. Um, I hope this one's good. And I actually think it was a really great episode. So definitely check that one out. That one, like Austin said, was all about looking back to 2021. And it is still very early on in the year of 2022. So we figured we'd get together Pull up Wikipedia, see what's coming out movie and TV-wise this year. What are we looking forward to? What do we think is going to crash and burn? And I think we're going to have some fun. We have a good list of movies here. So Austin and Keith, in general, what are we thinking? Are you looking forward to this? Yeah, after going through all these uh, all these movies, there's a lot on here that I knew about and was already excited for. And there's a lot that I didn't know about and I'm now even more excited for this year. So you know what? Um, I think we can concretely say movies. They've come a long way since the 1920s. There's, there's going to be some good ones this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. So you're going, are you, are you dropping your whole, I like old movies thing now again? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saying our present movies are, are way better than our older movies. Oh, They've come a long way. Okay. I got you. In 2021, Austin realized that he actually really liked old movies. And now his new year's resolution is to he hate hates them again. again. <laughs> Yeah, there's lots on this list I'm looking forward to as well. Um, some I did not know were coming out. And I went against my rule where I never watched trailers. This is probably the most trailers I've ever watched combined. This probably would surpass the amount of trailers I've probably watched throughout the whole, like, maybe four or five years. <laughs> so <laughs> I have not watched this many trailers in a long time. I was planning to make a joke this week that after this episode, Keith will finally be prepared going into some of these movies. But I guess you, you uh, showed me up a little bit. Yeah, I'm really hopeful for movies this year. I feel like so many things got pushed out of 2021 due to the pandemic, which obviously makes sense. And I'm hopeful that some of these movies are going to be a lot better on our year-end special. We actually kind of reflected on 2021. We were like, wow, yeah, there was a lot more bad movies than I remember. (laughs) So I'm hoping we do not have the same conversation at the end of this year. And looking at the list here of movies and TV shows, I got to say pretty hopeful. So we'll see how it goes. And I do think, actually, um, the DC release schedule this year, I don't know if I'm excited for it, but I am very intrigued by a lot of these projects that are coming out and how they're going to impact the future of of that franchise. All right. So the way we structured it is we just looked month by month at whatever's releasing, highlighted some ones that we wanted to focus in on. And then there's, of course, some little ones that we think deserve some love as well. And that's how we're going to do this. It's going to be pretty easy. So, guys, are you ready to get into 2022? I'm already buying my tickets in advance for every single one of these films. 
So first, we have to talk about good old January, and there's really only one big one that we could find, and it is going to be the focus of next week's episode, and it is, of course, Scream 5, a.k.a. Just Scream. 25 years after the original series of murders in Woodsboro, a new killer emerges, and Sidney Prescott must return to uncover the truth. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Scream franchise, and to prepare for our next week's episode, I'm, I've already started watching them. Uh, through again. I'm on. I just finished the second one last night, and I gotta say, they still kind of hold up in my opinion so far. Well, I'm, I haven't watched three or four yet, so we'll see how those go. Uh, but yeah, they're just a fun franchise. They're good, good little scares. The characters are funny. Um, so I'm looking forward to see how they uh, develop the story in this coming one. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one for me next week because I've only ever seen Screen One, so I have to go and watch the entire franchise for the first time. I will say I'm worried for my friends Matt and Keith because this is a January horror movie and those don't have the best track record of being successful films. So I'm worried my friends are going to be a little bit hurt next week as we oh. cover this movie. We'll see. It's also, of course, the first Scream movie not to be directed by Wes Craven since he passed away uh, between Scream 4 and this one. But I have been I have been seeing some like the social media reactions. I guess the movie's still embargoed until next week, but everything I've been seeing sounds pretty positive. So. I'm hopeful uh, with, like Keith said, I'm kind of already getting prepared as well. I love the Scream franchise. I think it just has such a great balance of horror and like smart, clever writing that's usually always a little bit meta as well. And yeah, like he said, the characters are super funny. So kind of bringing back some of our legacy characters, bringing in some new actors. I feel like just based on the trailer, it seems like they're trying to do something a little bit different. It kind of feels like it's going back to the tone of the original because especially Scream 3 and 4, kind of got a little bit sillier. I still love those movies, but the vibe from the trailers I've seen so far seems to be like kind of that original Scream feel. So I'm super hopeful for this one. I do like the aspect, too, of the original characters kind of acting as like mentors for this new generation of Scream actors. Um, and that's kind of the vibe I got from the trailer. We'll have to see, though. Can it be better than Halloween Kills? Who knows? <laughs> I, I I think so. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. God. I hope that hope Anthony Michael Hall makes an appearance though. I never want to see him as an actor ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it's a little harsh. All right. So then, looking ahead at February, nothing too crazy in this month. Uh, we do have a Jackass Forever, which is I think like an eleven-year reunion for the Jackass crew, and then we have Uncharted, which is a prequel to the popular video game series, um, starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Definitely looking forward to Jackass Forever. I don't see how it's not going to be funny. <laughs> they're, yeah, all, I think it'll they're, they're all they're all really funny. The stunts are always crazy and uh, just uncomfortable to watch at times. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the, the gang getting back together. I hope we get some more bad grandpa action in Jackass Forever. I think we will. I think the trailer did show Johnny Knoxville as his bad grandpa character. So we're going to get some good stuff there. Um, if you recall, Keith, I believe. Way back when, we watched Jackass 3 at my house, and Austin had to leave to go, like, throw up because of the, uh, the scene where <laughs> Steve-O gets launched inside the, uh... uh the porta potty, potty. potty Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I love the Jackass movies. I love that crew. They're just... It's just fun, and I like that it's not always about, like, pranks that will hurt you. There's just some funny, like, Austin said, like, one scene in the trailer that had me, like, howling was... When Johnny Knoxville's bad grandpa character is like going furniture shopping, and he's, yeah. he's just like getting, he just keeps falling over and like somebody like 
jumps on top of him and he like flings into the air and like you just it just cuts to the workers like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) there's a good balance there kind of like we said with scream actually it looks like since the guys are getting older they have brought in a bunch of younger people as well so i think i don't know maybe they're trying to reboot the jackass franchise well it also looks like there's going to be some like sentimentality too to this one from what I got from the trailers, like it looks like they're going to be talking about like some of their mental health and that sort of stuff too, which seems like an interesting thing for the Jackass crew to take on. I know there was a lot of drama surrounding this one because of a uh, Bam, 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 yeah, Bam Margera and his issues that he's been having. So I don't know if he, I don't think he's going to be in this one. He's not. They they started they started it like he was in it, and then like I think a couple of weeks and he got fired for I guess breaking contract or whatever, but. Yeah, I think actually one of the cool things about the Jackass movies is it's like not it's never been like toxic masculinity, if you want to call it that. Like they are genuinely friends, even though they're doing this weird and sometimes gross stuff. So it kind of always had a weird sentimental vibe. So I kind of got that from the trailer as well. Um, So it sounds like I I didn't expect we would all be excited or or looking forward to Jackass, at least. So, guys, let's talk about a movie that I'm not looking forward to at all <laughs> called Uncharted. <laughs> yeah, I think this might be one of the worst movies of the year coming up. This this movie looks rough. Even that new trailer did not look good. Did not interest me at all. And that's that's good to bring up, Keith, because Austin and I have played a majority of the Uncharted game. So for you, even somebody that hasn't at all, and it didn't interest you even just as like an action movie. I don't even, even know what it is. Yeah, to be honest. It's, it's basically like an Indiana Jones-esque story with a lot more action. And that's kind of, it almost kind of weirdly got off to bad footing for a lot of people. I'm open to it, but yeah, I mean, Uncharted never shied away from just being Indiana Jones copy. Nathan Drake's kind of a middle-aged guy going on these treasure hunts. So then when they announced the Uncharted movie and that Tom Holland is playing him, it's like, okay, so yeah, they're going for a younger vibe, but I think it did turn off a lot of people that it wasn't, you know, the normal character. Actually, now that I'm, I'm saying that out loud, one of the funny things is, Originally, David O. Russell was going to direct this, and he cast Mark Wahlberg as Nathan Drake, but that was like 10 years ago because this movie's been in development hell. So now he's playing the old mentor character. And by playing, I mean he's literally just standing there on set being himself, not really acting. <laughs> yeah, the thing the thing I'm not sold on for the movie is Mark Wahlberg as Sully. I think he's just going to drag this movie down. I just haven't seen him in anything good lately because I'm a Mark Wahlberg fan, but I haven't... What's the last good movie you saw him in? The other guys? Like 10 years ago? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Not a bad pull. The fighter. The fighter, yeah. That, that was also like 10 years ago, though. He's too busy making his, like, reality show. Wahlburgers? Oh, yeah, Wahlburgers. He's too busy making reality TV and running a burger restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be bothered to act anymore. All right, let's move on here and take a look at uh, the month of March for 2022. And guys, this is the big one. This is easily my most anticipated movie of the year, I'm going to assume for Matt as well. But of course, we do have... The Batman. Um, in his second year of fighting crime, Batman uncovers corruption in Gotham City that connects to his own family while facing a serial killer known as the Riddler. It's directed by Matt Reeves, and of course, it stars Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, and Paul Dano. Yeah, I mean, like Austin already said, this is definitely one of, if not the most, anticipated movie of 2022 for me. Can't wait. Love the character of Batman. Particularly love when they do new things with it. Obviously, at this point, we're very used to stuff like the Nolan movies and even, you know, Ben Affleck, the more recent take. And I'm really excited for this one. I don't know why, even though it looks really, really like dark in terms of it's like it feels kind of R-rated, feels a lot more gritty than Batman stories we've seen in live action formats before, but it still has like a comic book feel to it somehow. I don't know how Matt Reeves and the team kind of 
nailed that, at least from the several trailers I've seen. But Robert Pattinson in particular, really loving the idea of this version of Bruce Wayne that hasn't really... He just always wants to be Batman. There really is no playboy or aloof persona when he's Bruce Wayne. He's kind of reclusive and he's still trying to figure things out. And then the idea of making the Riddler a bit more of a sadistic version that we see in comics sometimes. That's what I was going to say. I'm really happy we're doing like a darker take on the Riddler because I think in recent like cartoons and even some of the recent comic books, he's become more of a goofy, funny character. And my favorite version of the Riddler is always when he's darker and, and really sadistic. So that's and Paul Dano, I think, is perfect for that role. And I can't wait to see how he interacts with Robert Pattinson. When I first found out Robert Pattinson was going to be the Batman, I was kind of skeptical, not because of his acting abilities. I knew like he'd probably knock it out of the park with that. But his physical persona is like he's super skinny guy. Like, is he, Can he actually like fill the costume and make it look right? I, I agree with you, Keith. I've always been kind of skeptical of the Robert Pattinson casting as Batman. It's really been the most recent trailer. I think that's finally sold me on his Batman. I'm actually really excited to see him now. The only thing is, I know I say this to Matt all the time, <laughs> they got to fix that cowl on his head. That cowl looks so bad. Yeah. I think they're going for, and it kind of ties into the movie. I like that because I'm pretty sure Nolan always maintained that he never planned on making a Batman trilogy. Like he made Batman Begins and it was kind of like, if I think of a story or they want us to do more than we will, and I know for sure there was no plans to make a third Batman movie after The Dark Knight. So I like that they're going into this one. They've already said that they're going to make a trilogy. That's the idea. There's like spinoff shows and stuff with Colin Farrell as the Penguin. So I'm really excited to see where this version of Batman is in this movie, along with his like relationship with Catwoman and Alfred and all that, and see how it develops. And I feel like it's going to be one of those things, almost like Spider-Man No Way Home, where that third movie ended. And it was like, wow, he's in the new costume. Like, it, We're getting classic Spider-Man. I feel like by the end of the trilogy, we'll see a more kind of complete arc and it'll feel like a more traditional Batman by the end. The other thing that's really intriguing to me, like you kind of mentioned that with the shows and stuff that they're building off of this movie, they really are not necessarily building like a DC universe off of this film, but they're building like a Gotham verse from this. And this is going to be like the Gotham going forward, it seems like in the big focus for the DC comics. So I'm excited to see a project that's putting that much attention into Gotham and then has all these projects coming out of it. It seems like we're going to be returning to Gotham a lot more frequently with some of the shows they have planned. I'm excited for that. Yeah, because we have not seen like a, a full on Gotham since I guess the Christian Bale ones because we didn't really get much of Gotham with Ben Affleck. Yeah, there's so many just little things I'm excited for. I mean, obviously the classic will they won't they push and pull between, you know, Batman and Catwoman. They're definitely hitting on that in the trailers. Zoe Kravitz looks awesome in this role. I think she's going to be perfect. She's going to be the best one to date, I think, in live action. She looks awesome. I think she'll beat Anne Hathaway pretty easily. <laughs> Will she beat Halle Berry? Who could? Who could? <laughs> um, another th big thing I'm excited for, Austin, you kind of mentioned it, is uh, Matt Reeves has said he's taking big inspiration from Batman Earth One, which is one of my absolute favorite like Batman runs ever. Um, and a big part of that was playing with mental illness because Martha Wayne, who was part of the Arkham family, was struggling with that and that whole family was and like Bruce as a child was ridiculed for that. So I think they're kind of playing with that angle and definitely this version of Alfred seems to be taken right out of that, which is he's not really a butler. He's kind of begrudgingly taking care of Bruce and they have kind of an interesting relationship. He's the one that trained that version of Bruce. I think they're going for that with Andy Serkis. But then the main thing is um, thinking about stuff like the Batman Telltale games. They really played up, the, which makes total sense when you think about it, that the Waynes 
were not great people. They were running in the same groups as like Carmine Falcone because they were these billionaires. Like they were pulled into kind of the criminal underworld a little bit. And when Bruce finds that out, he's kind of shattered. He's like, wow, I, I became Batman because they died in that way. And now I'm finding out that they're not great people. And the trailer seems to be indicating that like the Riddler knows that the Waynes weren't good and he is antagonizing Bruce somehow about that. So that's an angle I'm really excited about, too. Yeah, that's actually something I don't know how well it's going to play for me when I see the movie, because that's actually something I don't love about a lot of the modern Batman comic runs is I really like the idea of the Waynes just being this pristine thing in this really dirty city. And to take that away from the Batman character has just never really worked for me. Like there's some stories I think are really interesting, like Court of Owls when they do that sort of stuff. But for me, I, I've just always liked the Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne being this like example for Bruce to follow and strive for for the city. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they do it in live action, but I'm not sure how it's going to play when I see it. And also, Jeffrey Wright, guys, as Gordon. How do how we forgot oh. our boy? He's here. Hopefully he's in this movie. He has more screen time than he in No Time to Die. <laughs> Hopefully he gets more screen time than J.K. Simmons, too. Well, he is coming back for the Batgirl show, Austin. So we'll see. We'll see. We're going to have two Gordons at once, Jeffrey Wright and J.K. Simmons. And they knocked the casting out. I can't pick a winner between them. I have to be honest. Yeah, so that covers the Batman. Obviously, we're all pretty stoked for that one. Um, the next one in March I added, uh, I'm excited for a few reasons. And the trailer, first of all, kind of really stood out to me. It seems really trippy and interesting, but it's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And it stars Michelle Yeoh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Ki Hui Kwan, who, guys, do we recognize that last name? He's back. Short Round from Temple of Doom and Goonies, who we haven't seen in years. is just randomly Michelle Yeoh's husband in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm absolutely stoked. Um, the bit, the big reason I'm excited for this one is because it's directed by, um, I don't know if they're brothers or I think they're friends, but they like, when they're directing, they go by the name Daniels cause they're both named Daniel. Um, but they directed Swiss army man, that kind of weird Paul Dano, Daniel Radcliffe, like corpse comedy. Did you guys I see never that? saw, I never saw that one. But I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it either. It was a really, really weird movie where Paul Dano plays like this guy, um, stranded somewhere and then he stumbles upon daniel radcliffe who's a literal corpse and it's about uh like friendship they develop because in paul dano's mind <laughs> daniel radcliffe is like talking to him and it's this like weird sweet friendship they develop somehow it's absolutely bonkers so the idea of them coming back and directing this one the cast looks great the trailers look super cool so i just wanted to give that one some love because I think that could be kind of one of those dark horses of the year. I think that one could surprise us. Yeah, I'm excited for Jamie Lee Curtis because she needs a bit of a rebound after signing <laughs> on for the, the, the newest Halloween trilogy. She, she looks pretty scary in this one from what yeah. I saw her in the trailer. Genuinely, I haven't seen a, a great Jamie Lee Curtis movie in a while. So hopefully this is that one because I think she's a great actress. What was the last great one, would you say, Austin? Freaky Friday? I would say Knives Out. Knives Out, then Freaky Friday. And that's all she's ever done those in her career. Those are my favorite films. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, guys. So we're moving from a couple really good ones. I think some that are going to be two of the better ones of the year. To the best of the year, right? That's what I was going to say. We're moving to April uh, for the best movie of the year. It's only been delayed seven times. So I think that's probably a sign of its quality. Like They just want to keep teasing us, you know? Um, and let's, let's just get to it, guys. Morbius. I mean, this has to be one of the better films of the year. Where can you go wrong? It's a Spider-Man villain that they're not going to connect to Spider-Man at all, I guess. Um, it's about a guy played by Jared Leto with a blood disease who then is like, I'm going to cure myself. And he accidentally becomes a vampire in the process. Oopsie. 
Um, and you have Michael Keaton randomly in it playing the vulture again. That's what I'm interested in, because in the trailer, it looked like it was just a cameo. But if you look at the cast, he's second billing. So I'm assuming oh. he's a bigger character. And that's also Tom Holland's Spider-Man universe. But this is set in the Sony-verse, which is where Venom is. So what's <laughs> happening here? I have no idea. But it looks like shit. Yeah, the trailer didn't really wow me that much, I would say. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it wowed anybody. <laughs> I just didn't know what was happening. And it was just like a, some weird cutting in the trailer. I was like, they didn't really explain anything that's going on in this. It's just a doctor. Something happens to him. He's cured, but now he's a vampire. Comes out of a cave. Cool. <laughs> Whatever. And then Tyrese Gibson's randomly there. <laughs> and then somehow Beetlejuice is there. And oh. <laughs> I don't know. Now, I do have a question for you because I think you know a bit more about the Marvel comics than I do. Is Morbius like a good Spider-Man villain? Like, is he worth having a movie for? He's an interesting character. He, it, like, it's like they're doing the same thing they did with Venom. Like, Morbius is kind of an anti-hero. Um, I kind of sometimes, I don't even know why. I don't know if it's like a normal thought. I kind of equate him a little bit to Mr. Freeze from Batman, kind of a begrudging villain. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. He was trying to cure this, like, disease that would kill him, and then he accidentally becomes a vampire in the process. Kind of like Man Bat, too. It's like he's not often doing things on purpose. He can't really control it. Um, So, yeah, there's interesting dynamics to the character, but, I mean, the big thing you just said there, I don't know why they're making a movie around him. Like, he's, to be fair, I mean, at best, he's, like, a C-list Spider-Man villain. Definitely not one of the big hitters. Um, And it makes it even more weird. Like, I actually think Morbius could be a cool out-of-the-box pick for a live-action villain in a Spider-Man movie. But having him have his own movie where there's no connection to Spider-Man doesn't make sense. I mean, look, I know people hated the fact that they made the Venom movies and it didn't connect to Spider-Man. But Venom on his own is, like, a household name villain-wise. So I get that. This doesn't make sense to me. Will this be Jared Leto's redemption after... uh controversial run as the joker i don't know <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's morbius uh, moving on here we also have violence of action or it used to be titled the contractor and sonic the hedgehog 2 um for me I, I don't know too much about the contractor the most interesting to me there is just the cast chris pine ferris ferris jillian jacobs that seems like a great lineup sonic the hedgehog 2 i gotta say i can't believe i'm saying this i don't even see the first one but watching the trailer for it made me want to watch the first one <laughs> Like, it looks kind of fun. You know, I, I grew up with Sonic. I know you did too, Keith. I'm not sure about you, Austin. But, I mean, we've already talked about, you know, a video game movie adaptation with Uncharted. This seems to be one that's not shying away from its kind of a tone. You know, you have Jim Carrey as Eggman just being goofy as hell. I mean, the action looks kind of sweet, I got to say. That was that was why I added it onto our list here, because watching this genuinely made me want to go watch the first one. And I think I've heard good things, so it'll probably be fun at least. Yeah, I haven't seen the first one either, but I've, I've heard really good things about Jim Carrey in that one. So maybe we'll have to do a special episode on Sonic. Who knows? All right. And then we also have Ambulance for the month of March. Um, this one's interesting to me. It is interesting. <laughs> I, it is interesting. <laughs> Two Robert Steele and Ambulance after their heist goes awry, uh, directed by Michael Bay, stars Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Isaac Gonzalez. When not, Matt and I saw No Way Home, <laughs> this trailer came up, and at the end of it, we just looked at each other and were like, oh, God, this is going to be <laughs> shit. <laughs> I think it weirdly has potential to be, like, maybe a better Michael Bay movie. But I'm with you, Keith. I don't know what it is about that trailer. It, it felt like five hours long, first of all. I don't know how like, a trailer felt so long. But, um, you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about the cast. I mean, what a great little lineup there. 
could be interesting. I like when Jake Gyllenhaal kind of does a bit more of a dark turn. I love Yaya Abdul Mateen II. That guy's on a fucking tear right now with his career, and he's a great actor. But the Michael Bay of it all is where things that's yeah <laughs> start that's to question. The cause for concern. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not a Transformers movie, so I guess maybe that's a good thing. But we've already talked about like with Mark Wahlberg and other people. What was the last good Michael Bay movie? I mean, Jesus, I don't even, I don't even know Armageddon, Armageddon. The Rock. Did he direct The Rock? I'm not even sure if he did. Did he do SWAT? Yeah, he was too busy directing five. Five Transformers <laughs> movies that were all bad. And then he did that garbage Netflix action movie. Oh, with Ryan Reynolds, right? Yeah. Six with Ryan Underground. Reynolds. Oh, Six Underground. Right. That's it. That movie is that was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely has his own flair and like style of action, but then he just makes so weird he makes so many weird choices with the female leads in his movies and yeah. like the way he films them. It's it's kind of gross to be honest. And I like Isaac Gonzalez too, but I'm I'm worried about her fate in this film because of that. <laughs> The one good thing I can say besides the cast is kind of like you guys were just saying with some of the movies we listed there. This one is definitely a smaller story, so maybe it'll be a bit more interesting and character driven. Some some of the action in the trailer looked cool, and Michael Bay is good at action if he's good at anything. So we'll see. Maybe it'll be a, a one of the surprising movies of the year, but probably not because it is Michael Bay. Probably <laughs> 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 <Bought me> crap. <laughs> so so the next one we wrote down here, I have no clue actually what your guys' history with this spin-off franchises, but it's Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, our third Fantastic Beasts film. I actually never saw the second one because I heard it was that bad. I've seen both of them and loved both of them. Oh. I'm a secret, huge Fantastic Beasts fan. Oh, I have actually, no idea. And I'm very excited for the third wow. one. Wow. Okay. Well, Austin, how about you? Go ahead. Talk a little bit about it then. What are you looking forward to? The thing I love the most about this franchise is one, the cast. Yeah. Eddie Redmayne as the lead for Newt Scalamander. Like, honestly, he's a really, really fun Harry Potter character. This has been a really fun franchise just to be back and, and learn more about the Wizarding World and just the history because it's set before all the movies. Um, and then I think Jude Law's Dumbledore in the second one is really great. And I'm excited to see him come back in kind of a larger role in the third one. And Mads Mikkelsen replacing Johnny Depp. I actually thought Johnny Depp was good in the first two, but he has nothing on Mads Mikkelsen. Can't wait to see what he does in the third one. Yeah, Keith, what about you? Now that I'm even saying that, like, are you a big Harry Potter fan at all, Keith? I can't remember. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, but I have not seen any of the Fantastic Beasts movies at all. So I'm really curious. And what you just said, Austin, just really sparked my curiosity because I didn't know all of these characters were going to be that young, I guess. So it makes me question, when does this take place? It's They're all a prequel. The thing I really like about this franchise is it's set in the Harry Potter universe, and there's some threads there, like with Dumbledore and that sort of stuff. But it really is telling its own story. And it's just like a nice addition to the Harry Potter franchise. Doesn't the first one or second one take place in America, right? The first one does. The second one, they I think they end up in London. Yeah, I, I didn't mm. love the first one. Um, I just, it didn't really justify its existence for me whenever I saw it. Like, I like the idea of this has no connection to the Harry Potter movies. It's like, it's just about this, like, magizoologist, I think they call him. Uh, he just has, he lives in the wizarding world. Uh, he went to Hogwarts and now they're telling a story in America with all of these crazy creatures. But then by the end, you know, with the reveal of Johnny Depp as Grindelwald, I was like, OK, I guess this is trying to tie in. Didn't see the second one. I'm open to it now after hearing Austin's review. I'm definitely going to check it out. But the, the main thing I wanted to say was, despite that, despite not loving the spinoff franchise, the trailer for Secrets of Dumbledore, I got to say, was really cool. I really liked it. It really looks cool. I'm liking the action. Um, just seeing characters in Hogwarts again was super like nostalgic and the fact that obviously it's the same building, it looks the same, that was cool. Um, 
I'm curious what they're going to do with Ezra Miller's character. But I'm kind of with you, Austin. I didn't hate Johnny Depp at the end of the first one. I know he has a bigger role in the second one. But um, switching out for Mads Mikkelsen, I mean, that's that's a villain right That's there. what I'm the most excited for. Yeah. It's just Mads Mikkelsen being a part of this franchise. Yeah. Okay, and then we have The Northman um, also coming out in April. And this might be another one of my most anticipated of the year. This looks good. Um, it's a revenge thriller that explores how far a Viking prince will go to seek justice for his mother's father. Um, it's directed by Robert Eggers, who directed The Witch, and it stars Alexander Skarsgård, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Nicole Kidman. Yeah, I watched this trailer, and I was blown away. This looks great, but I want to pass it to you guys, because I know you're big fans of the Viking show, so it kind of has that vibe. You guys must be, like, just chomping at the bit for something like this. I can't wait. Yeah. I think Alexander Skarsgård looks perfect, and the yeah. action... <laughs> he looks awesome. The fact that the action is being directed by somebody like Robert Eggers, I think we're going to get a very... It's going to be like slow combat, I think. Like, it's going to feel very purposeful. Like, I think we're going to feel very dirty. That scene where he, like, catches the spear and oh, throws it back. Yeah. Like, in other movies, spears are going through so fast. But if you think about it, they're, like, thrown by a person. So they're not going to... You'll probably be able to catch it and throw it back. Like, that's kind of what I mean. It looks like it's going to be very slowed down. Yeah, I think the action's going to be badass. And if it's anything like what we get in the Viking show, I think it's going to be great. And it's funny because Alexander Skarsgård's brother, Gustav Skarsgård, was Floki in the Vikings show. So there's a little bit of connection there. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the story of this one. I'm not quite sure when it takes place before or after the whenever our Vikings show takes place, but I'm interested in the whole Viking story and how they kind of make their way across the, the Nordic lands. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, for me, I like, I like what you said there, Keith. That's, I think, the main reason I'm excited because they could have very easily just told a story like, I guess biopic's not the right word, but they could have told like a like a biographical drama about like a larger Viking story. But I like that this one is really like a small scale revenge story. So that aspect of it's getting me really excited. Alexander Skarsgård's a great actor. I hope they didn't show too much in the trailer. I was like, oh, okay, they showed a little bit more story wise, but I guess they had to to get you set up. It's probably going to be like three hours long, just knowing uh, the director. Okay, well, I'm fine with that. But it looks it looks great. I mean, I like that it's a very personal story. He wants to get revenge on the man that killed his father and he wants to rescue his mom that he hasn't seen since he was a kid whenever that went down. And the cinematography was out of control. So this one's going to be a highlight of the year, I think. It looks like we're going to see like the story of his entire life too. Because from the trailer, it looks like he starts as a kid and then he's older throughout the way the trailer plays out. Yeah. All right, guys, this next one, I'm not doing a bit. This is genuinely one of my most anticipated of the year. I love the trailer and I hope more people check out the trailer. Uh, but it's of course... The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which right there, we haven't called any of these out. What a great title. <laughs> so here, I'm going to read the logline for this one in case people aren't familiar. A cash-strapped Nicolas Cage agrees to make a paid appearance at a billionaire superfan's birthday party, but is really an informant for the CIA since the billionaire fan is a drug kingpin and gets cast in a Tarantino movie. So, of course, Nicolas Cage is playing an exaggerated uh, version of himself and then pedro pascal is playing his super fan the trailer looks i mean it looks funny it looks like nicholas cage is turning in a great performance as himself um yeah i gotta say i can't wait for this one it looks really funny but i, I have a feeling it's gonna get really dark i think so too i think it might yeah just the idea that Nicolas Cage is leaning into like the public story of him where he made tens of millions of dollars and then blew a lot of it on like property. So now he like is running out of money and has to do these like shitty movies. It seems like he's finally coming out of that with like pig and stuff like this, which I'm happy about. But uh, so it is a fictional version of him, but 
it's kind of real. So I, kind of with you, it feels like it might get dark by the end. And the highlight of the trailer for me was the kind of <laughs> budding friendship between him and Pedro Pascal. Never thought I would see those two in a movie together, but they look like they have a great rapport. So is Pedro Pascal's character going to be cast in a Tarantino movie? I guess so. Like he's like a super fan of Nicolas Cage and like is paying him a shit ton of money to come to his birthday party because he's a big fan. <laughs> and I guess he's getting cast in something. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure how that works. But I think I think it might be Nicolas Cage that ends up cast in the Tarantino movie. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe. God, Maybe they both do. They need to work together. All right, everybody, go check out that trailer for sure. And moving on here into May, we have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Of course, directed by Sam Raimi and starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Elizabeth Olsen, and Rachel McAdams. It's crazy to say, like, it's been six years since the first Doctor Strange movie. That's insane to me. He's only done one solo movie, but then he's been in, like, you know, the Avengers movies. So I think the thing I'm most excited about is Sam Raimi directing, because I'm a huge Sam Raimi fan. He has such a great style. And then also that we're going to finally get another like personal Doctor Strange story, not one where he's like hanging out with the Avengers or Spider-Man. I love all those, of course, but I want to see like a proper sequel to his first movie. I think this multiverse story is going to be really interesting too. I'd really liked what we got in Spider-Man, but I think the fact that this will be more magical because it's more Doctor Strange focused, I just think it's going to be a, a really cool and interesting take on the multiverse. That's been such a big focus recently with the MCU with stories like What If and the Loki show, and I'm really excited to see that, I think. I'm just looking forward to I guess the battle scenes between him and his darker self and what that's going to oh, be like. Yeah, right. I think it's going to be made trippy. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was like the big ending of the trailer. I don't know if it's the exact same version of him from What If, but clearly they're leaning into that vibe. Also, we just talked about on the year-end special, WandaVision was one of my favorite shows of the year. So the fact that this is like not only a Doctor Strange sequel, but kind of finally giving us a little bit of continuation from the ending of WandaVision, I think that's going to be awesome. I love Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, can't wait to see more of her, too. I'm really excited to see where Wanda's at after being on her own since WandaVision. And I really want to know what her take on the multiverse is going to be, too, since she yeah. like just saw her fake brother in the WandaVision city. And so moving on here, we also have uh, DC League of Super Pets, uh, which is an animated movie about Crypto and Ace the Bat-Hound. Um, it's directed by Jared Stern and Sam Levine, and it stars Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, and Vanessa Bayer. And Ace looks terrible. The Ace character design is, is so bad. I don't know if this movie is for me. Uh, yeah, I don't know about this one. This is definitely not one of my more anticipated. Seems like a weird story. I get the appeal of telling a story about the pets and getting, you know, an all-star cast. That's fun. But yeah, I don't, like the design of the characters aside, uh, it didn't really laugh during it. So I don't know about this one. I don't know if I'll, I might have to skip this one. We'll see. Yeah, if the word of mouth isn't good, I'm not watching this one either. Oh man, I left the trailer kind of thinking, Whoa. being excited about it. <laughs> oh, okay. all right. Wow. I'll go see with you, Keith, the big Super Pets fan. <laughs> I don't know. There's just some funny moments. I think whenever dogs are talking and they're animated, it just cracks me up. So I was kind of like, eh, this might be fun. So I'm excited for this next conversation because I actually don't know. Are any of us big Top Gun fans? Because the next movie here is Top Gun Maverick, directed by Joseph Kosinski and stars Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly, and Miles Teller. I've never seen Top Gun. I hate to say it. I've never seen it. I've never seen it all the way through. The trailer looks cool. I mean, I want to check it out. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. I mean, the trailer looks good. I think the big appeal is Tom Cruise. The fact that like everything we're seeing him do in the trailer, he's somehow doing. I don't know where he gets the time to like 
trained to be an actual fighter pilot. <laughs> but I mean, it looks kind of sick. So I'll definitely watch the first one in preparation for this one. I'm definitely going to want to check it out. So I want to know what's going on. Yeah. And I'm interested, I'm interested in see what they do with uh, Val Kilmer's character, Iceman. Yes. I mean, he's the classic Iceman. So I know he, because of his, his illness and all that, he can't really act anymore. So I'm curious to see what they will do to his character. Yeah, we'll see. I'm glad he's in it, but I don't know how much they'll use him. But I mean, the action looks so good. So I'm so I'm I'm actually kind of excited for this one without really knowing anything about Top Gun, to be honest. All right, well, let's move on here and take a look at some summer blockbusters. So for the month of June, uh, we've got Jurassic World Dominion, Lightyear, and an Untitled Elvis Project. Anything jump out at you guys here? Now that I'm thinking about it, Jurassic World, I have pretty much the exact same relationship to it that I do with the Fantastic Beasts movies. I saw the first Jurassic World and I thought it was okay. Uh, it definitely didn't like get me pumped for the future. It didn't really feel, it didn't make me feel nostalgic for Jurassic Park. So it kind of felt like a weird sequel in that way. It just felt really out of place to me. And because I didn't love it and I heard the follow-up was so bad, I never saw the second one. Um... But I'm open to the third one, mainly because Colin Trevorrow, who I think got a raw deal with Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, I like that he's coming back after directing the first one. So maybe he can take the criticism of that and make a good third movie. And I mean, the main appeal of that one is that it's bringing back Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern to reprise their Jurassic Park roles. So that could be cool. So I'm, I'm hopeful that one's good, but I don't like have... You know, a dog in the fight because I'm not a big fan of that franchise as a whole. I have zero interest in the Jurassic World franchise. The the one that actually stands out to me here is Lightyear. I thought yeah. that trailer was perfect, and I can't wait good. to see how that story unfolds. Maybe you're familiar with this, Keith. I don't know if you are, Austin, but this one was giving me um, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command vibes. Did you ever see that weird spinoff movie when we were kids? I know so, the one you're talking about. No. It's kind of like this in a, in a weird way. Like that movie came out like around the time that like I guess Toy Story two came out. And that's an animated movie, Tim Allen's still doing the voice, but it's kind of weird to describe. It's Buzz Lightyear, like the actual character. So he's, it's a movie about him going on space adventures, fighting Zerg, like the real Zerg. And like, I guess obviously the Toy Story movies are, it's a toy based on this character. So that animated movie was like the real quote unquote Buzz Lightyear. And there was also like a television show that ran for a few seasons afterwards. So this reminded me of that because this is the story of, you know, the quote unquote real Buzz Lightyear. And I think Chris Evans is a good pick. Uh, so it seems like it's just going to be like a really fun, like animated space adventure type story. So I think it could be cool. So there, there is also an untitled Elvis project that we don't know a whole lot about, but the cast seems interesting. Um, it starts Tom Hanks, Austin Butler, and Olivia DeJong. I'm interested in this movie because I wonder if they're going to touch on some of like the more controversial elements of Elvis Presley. I kind of always hope for getting into the controversy a little bit. And, you know, obviously movies don't usually do that, like Bohemian Rhapsody or straight out of Compton. So I don't know if this will be that. The thing that stood out to me was, I mean, the cast seemed great. Shout out to Olivia DeJong, who we just talked about with Better Watch Out. I'm glad to see that she's still in bigger movies. I like Boz Lerman. I know he's kind of controversial. I love his version of Romeo and Juliet, even though it's cheesy as hell with Leo DiCaprio. Moulin Rouge is great. Great Gatsby. That was okay. So he's kind of hit or miss, but the idea of him telling a biopic, it kind of reminds me of that movie Rocket Man, like the Elton John biopic, how there could be a really cool style to it, and Boz Lerman definitely has that style. So I'm hoping it's good, uh, but I'm not even like the biggest Elvis fan, so I don't really care either way. I'm super excited for this one. It's the Black Phone. Um, after being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. 
It's directed by Scott Derrickson, and it stars Ethan Hawke, Jeremy Davies, and James Ransom. This one looks really good. Ethan Hawke looks awesome. Love Ethan Hawke, man. This was the movie that, because Scott Derrickson directed Doctor Strange, and then he was going to direct the sequel, but apparently he had creative differences with Marvel. He wanted to make more of a horror movie, um, so that's what happened to Sam Raimi coming on board that. So this is basically the movie that Scott Derrickson was like, can't do another Doctor Strange, I'm going to pour my heart and soul into like a new horror movie, and... Looks like he might have a hit on his hands. This looks awesome. Gives me kind of a uh, prisoner's kind of vibe to mm-hmm. it. It looks like it's going to have some it vibes too with like some of the kids trying to figure out what's going on here in addition to the police. And it just looks mm-hmm. like there's going to be a lot of really interesting like intersecting plot lines here. I hope so. Yeah. I'd love like a good horror movie. Scott Derrickson has a good, uh, I feel like a good vibe and a good style. So I think this one could be special. The cast is great. Um, and it's definitely different. Like you said, like the kid aspect and the police aspect, there's kind of a, a different angle so it could be a new type of thing so i'm hopeful for this one i feel like it's going to be good um but man i really want like a great horror movie that's just gonna scare me i feel like we haven't got one of those in a while so moving on into july now we've got thor love and thunder directed by taika watiti starring chris hemsworth natalie portman chris pratt matt damon and christian bale i'm really excited for this one i actually think i'm more excited for Thor than I am for any of the other MCU projects this year. Yeah, I mean, the things that stand out to me, I'm glad they brought Taika back to do another one, Thor Ragnarok. Um, Super fun, super funny. I'm sure they'll carry that over. I love that Natalie Portman's finally coming back as Jane Foster. We haven't seen her in like a big role since, I guess, Thor 2. I can't wait to see what they do with her in this yeah. movie. I know she had problems with a that team and like was like i'm not coming back so the fact that taika was able to get her to come back is super awesome but you know what the big one that i cannot wait for christian bale not only back in a comic book movie but playing the villain that's what i want to see i cannot wait i'm really excited to see the relationship between the guardians and thor as well Yeah, i keep forgetting the guardians are in this yeah so he's traveling with them right now through space and time and all that yeah 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 I think it's going to because I think they even made a joke in Endgame where he's like, I'm joining the Guardians and Chris Pratt was like, you're not a Guardian of the galaxy. Yeah. So that's what I'm really excited for, especially that like rivalry between Chris Pratt and uh, Chris Hemsworth (laughs) that they had going on in Endgame. And then also the new Gamora will be cool to see on this one, too, because she's reset after Endgame. Yeah. I don't know how much of a role she'll have. Yeah. I guess Guardians 3 isn't too far away. I guess that's 2023, though. All right, guys, this next one, we don't know too too much about still um but it's definitely low-key one of the ones i'm looking forward to most this year it's called bullet train it's about five assassins aboard a fast-moving bullet train of course then they find out that their missions have something in common so this one's directed by david leach who did the first john wick atomic blonde deadpool 2 hobbs and shaw um and he produced nobody i believe um and the exciting thing about this so obviously we'll have that actiony vibe from the other movies but the cast guys the cast is Brad Pitt, Joey King, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Zazie Beetz, Masi Oka, Michael Shannon, Logan Lerman, Hiroyuki Sonata, Karen Fukuhara, um, Sandra Bullock, Lady Gaga. I mean, Jeez. the cast is incredible. So the idea of like these spy assassin type characters coming together in one location, probably their missions is to kill each other. Uh, sounds awesome. And the, like a bullet train for like a setting for that sounds really cool to me, too. And this guy with the first John Wick, like, directed a lot of those really tight action scenes that we liked. So him taking those moments and putting it into a train is going to be sweet. I'm hoping we get, like, a almost a Snatch vibe uh, from Brad Pitt. I don't want to see the typical Brad Pitt. I want to see, like, a 
dirty assassin, like a, like a darker character. I think we're going to get that. It's just I think it's Mickey fight coming vibes. back. <laughs> yeah, he's just Mickey again. <laughs> I fight the fart it. <laughs> I love dags. <laughs> I hope he's naked. Oh, we should look I like that, that Brad Pitt thought. Yeah, there's like an action sequence in the bathroom. He's completely naked. <laughs> well, the Cat Blaster Live, we also have Nope and Black Adam. Yeah. So Nope, I wanted to call out because it's Jordan Peele's next movie after Get Out and Us uh, starring Kiki Palmer, Daniel Kaluuya and Stephen Yun. Uh, Michael Wincott also, who's like a great character actor that's played a lot of like really scary villains in the past. We don't know anything about it. Like, I don't think they've released the log line for this one, but. I'm a big Jordan Peele fan, not only as like a sketch performer and actor, but I'm, I've been really liking his directing projects, obviously. So I'm hoping this one's another hit. It is another horror movie, too, which is sweet. I'm glad he's staying in that genre. Um, and of course, after Nope, we then have Black Adam, uh, Dwayne Johnson's dream project, Fever Baby, <laughs> that he's been working on for 14 years. And honestly, even though he doesn't need any more money or any more praise or whatever, for his sake, I hope this is good. <laughs> See, in a weird way, I kind of hope it's trashed just because he spent so much time on this movie. I want to see how he like, I want to see how he sells it if it's so bad. Because he has that like persona where like he loves everything. Yeah. But if it's just like dragged through the mud, like BVS and Suicide Squad were, I want to I see what, what Dwayne Johnson looks like with a man that's attached to a bad project. I'd like to see that too now that you said We that. have seen it. Um, I mean, in the Fast and Furious franchise, he was almost attached to come out in another one. But uh... oh my god, I already think one of the best moments of the year was publicly coming out after Vin Diesel posted on Instagram a picture of them where he was very condescendingly asking him to come back, <laughs> and Dwayne Johnson said no publicly. <laughs> the trailer did look cool from what they showed at DC Fandom. I think Dwayne Johnson actually does look perfect as Black Adam. I just don't know what type of story they're going to tell with this character. But Aldous Hodge as Hawkman looks awesome. Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. There are elements of this cast that I'm really excited to see. The weird thing about this is it's, I guess, a prequel to the DCEU because a lot of the characters are from the Justice Society of America, which is like a precursor to the Justice League. Like Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate, Aldous Hodge as Hawkman, like you said, Austin. I mean, those characters would exist like decades before anything we've seen already in the DC universe, technically. So I'm curious why they have that team there and why Black Adam is involved. Like, is he on the team? Because, I mean, he's traditionally a bit more of an anti-hero, sometimes leaning evil. So are they, like, going to go up against each other in the movie? I, I have no idea what the story is. All we've seen is that quick little glimpse at DC fandom where he, like, murked a bunch of dudes and it was awesome. <laughs> but I don't know what the story is at all. So we have August on here, but unfortunately, there's literally nothing coming out. Uh, nothing looks good. There's nothing we want to cover. <laughs> we'll take the month of August off for this podcast. So let's okay. uh, touch on September. So the first one in September that we wanted to call out was Don't Worry, Darling. Um, it's Olivia Wilde's next project after Booksmart, I think. Um, has a great cast, including you know Olivia Wilde herself, Chris Pine, Florence Pugh, Harry Styles. I don't know too much about it. I know it's like set in the 50s and... I think Florence Pugh and Harry Styles are the husband-wife combo, I believe. And it's like they live in a community where everything seems fine, but then there's kind of like darkness under the surface potentially. So I think that's what they're going for. I don't know really much about it besides that, but it's, this is another one where the cast is so good and Olivia Wilde really proved herself to be a great up-and-coming director with Booksmart that I think we can't really miss this one. Yeah, the mystery element seems really intriguing here. And the main thing I'm excited for is Florence Pugh in this movie. She's having... Just such a great moment in her career. Can't wait to see what she looks like in this one. 
And this was also the one that uh, Shia Buff was famously fired from for being an ass on set. Oh, yes. shit. And replaced with Harry Styles. Yeah. Sounds like this is going to be some sort of like WandaVision kind of deal. Yeah. It does have that kind of that vibe just from the logline a little bit, actually. All right. Well, I'm just going to jump right in. We got Mission Impossible 7 coming out. I have fun with these movies every single time. Can't wait for Ethan Hunt to come back and take on new challengers, old challengers. Looking forward to it. But what about you guys? Mission Impossible is a weird franchise for me because I, I like all the movies, but I never remember anything that's going on with this story. So I'm, I'm always so lost when I see them in theaters. That's fair. That's fair. It's, I think it's a great franchise. Uh, the first one's like a fun, like serious spy movie. The second one is absolute dog shit. The third one I really enjoy with Philip Seymour Hoffman. And then from there, they've kind of felt a bit more samey, but I think still super fun. I think they really found a great director with Christopher McQuarrie. I think started with the fifth one, Rogue Nation, which is actually my favorite. That's one of my favorite action movies. Um, and they finally found like a good team, I feel like. They've kind of solidified the team of um, Tom Cruise, Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames, um, and now Rebecca Ferguson, who's killing it. Um, and it seems like they're bringing back a lot of like characters from the past of the franchise, too. So that could be interesting. And of course, I'm super excited what the big stunt is in this one. Tom Cruise keeps saying that like, you know, he has to keep upping himself. And the big one in Fallout is he literally was dangling from a helicopter, like, in real life. <laughs> so I'm curious what the big one's going to be here. I'm also happy because traditionally the Mission Impossible movies have, like, a big gap in between releases. And I'm pretty sure they're filming eight back-to-back. So I think that comes out in 2023. I wonder who the big villain's going to be for this one, too. Because they had that really cool Henry Cavill moment in the last one. I also wonder if Jeremy Renner's coming back. Because he wasn't in the last one because of Avengers stuff, like, scheduling-wise. He might be too busy recording his next album. Ah, dang it. I always forget about that. Yeah. Taking medicine too. <laughs> <laughs> Just a sequel to all his past songs. <laughs> all right. Uh, so looking at the month of October, we've got a, a big one for me personally. And that's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Miles Morales is back. Um, it's directed by Joaquim Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. And it stars Shamik Moore, Haley Steinfeld, and Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I mean, I love the first one, so it feels like it's been forever, so I'm happy we're finally getting the sequel. Also cool that they dropped the part one, so clearly we're going to get more. Um, can't wait. Oscar Isaac was a fun tease at the end of the first one, too, so can't wait, man. That I mean, honestly, I don't think we even talked about it like on our Spider-Man retrospectives, but now that I think about it, I feel like Into the Spider-Verse might be my all-time favorite Spider-Man movie. I think that one was just that good. I need to watch it. You didn't see it, Keith? I have not seen it yet. Oh, Keith. You got to see Keith, it. Keith, Keith. And after Spider-Verse 2, we've Ugh. got a big movie for our podcast. And of course, that is Halloween Ends. The saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode is going to come to a spine-chilling climax. Probably going to be dog shit, but it's directed by <laughs> David Gordon Green. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Kyle Richards, and Andy Matichak. I really do hope it's good. I mean, I know we shit on this franchise for good reason. But in all seriousness, that Halloween 2018 reboot, I mean, I talked about it. That was actually my favorite one. I mean, I, I loved it that much. I thought that movie was great, which made... Halloween kills an even like bigger like a uh, thorn in my side because it was so bad. So I hope this one can kind of close things out. My one kind of thing that we talked about with Halloween kills was that the original plan was just to make two movies. So it makes me feel like there's more like a solid script and plan for this one because they know this is the end. So I'm hoping it's good. But man, I don't know. I'm kind of nervous after the last one. Is there has there ever been a franchise that like recovers after something that bad? I don't know if that's possible. And it's the same crew that did the middle one. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point. 
I mean, they really shit the bed. <laughs> I would say Star. I would say Star Wars recovered with Revenge of the Sith oh. after Phantom Menace and That's Attack fair. of the Clones. All right, so we're starting to close out the year. Got a bunch of stuff coming right at the end. So we have November. The first big release there, of course, is The Flash, directed by Andy Muschietti, who did the It movies, of course, starring Ezra Miller returning as The Flash, Ben Affleck as his version of Batman, Michael Keaton as his version of Batman, and apparently Michael Shannon's in this somehow. So it's a huge cast. Um, This one was originally supposed to come out, if you guys remember, in 2018, but they've gone through so many directors, writers... Like, completely different scripts. Like, at one point, it was going to be Flashpoint, then it wasn't, and now I guess it kind of is again. So, the trouble production on this one is making me extremely nervous. Uh, it's basically been delayed four years because of all the changes. Um, I think, regardless, so it's going to be a big one for the DC movies because it feels like they're going to try and phase out Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck with this movie, like a Flashpoint story, and then somehow make the Michael Keaton Batman canon. I don't know how it all works, but it's going to be a weird-ass movie for sure. Yeah, this is what I meant by being intrigued by DC projects, because this is the big launching off point now for the future of the DCEU. This is the movie that is probably going to be the reset button, and I don't know if that's going to be for the best. Um, Ben Affleck did confirm, I know Matt, you and I were talking about this, Ben Affleck did confirm that this is his final appearance as Batman. Like you said, Michael Keaton is taking over. I don't know how the Michael Keaton Batman fits into the modern day DCEU. I don't even know if Ezra Miller is still going to be the Flash after this movie. There's just a lot of questions around this one. I'm excited to see Michael Keaton come back. Is Michael Shannon returning as his character from Man of Steel? General Zod? I guess so. Yes, somehow. I don't know. I will find him. I will find him! (laughs) (laughs) Again, they've only shown us like a brief clip from DC Fandom, and I thought it looked okay. Uh, They showed Supergirl. They showed two versions of Ezra Miller, so don't know what that means, but it's kind of like the Michael Keaton, the one thing drawing you in, you think? Yeah, I would say, but I don't know if I want to see him continue it in other movies, though, going on. He's going to be in Batgirl, the HBO Max show. So he's just playing like an older, more retired Bruce Wayne? I have no idea. I just don't know how he fits. Like his Batman does not fit into the modern stuff, I don't think. Yeah, it's a weird ass project for sure. I don't know if it's going to be good. I think it's also going to be tough because like you said, this is the reset button. So I feel like whether or not they handle it well, this movie's going to turn off a lot of people that don't want it to be a reset button. So it's going to have like a lot of uh, obstacles to overcome. I do like Andy Muschietti as a director with Mama and the first It. I don't like the second one, but he, he is an interesting choice. So, you know, James Wan came from horror and then knocked it out of the park, if you ask me, with Aquaman. <laughs> so maybe Andy Muschietti can too. Well, regardless of whether or not it's good or bad, I do know one thing, and that is the release the Snyder Cut people or the restore the Snyderverse people. They're going to be up in arms about this movie, and they will be review bombing it. <laughs> uh, I also did see we have an untitled David O. Russell project starring Andy Taylor-Joy, Margot Robbie, and Kristen Bale. No idea what this is about. The cast seems interesting. Love David O. Russell. Can't wait to find out more about this one. So yeah, he's the one who did The Fighter. American Hustle. Silver Linings Playbook. I guess we haven't seen him direct anything in a while, so yeah, I hope it's good. Cast is great. So yeah, hoping for another good one from him. All right, so the next one is a movie that I really hope is good but I think it has the potential to be really bad, not because of the team involved, but just because of the history behind it. And that's, of course, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, the sequel that will continue to explore the world of Wakanda and all the characters introduced in the 2018 film. Obviously important to note, uh, this is the first like live action you know, project and sequel since Chadwick Boseman unfortunately passed away. It is, however, still directed by Ryan Coogler, and it stars Letitia Wright, a.k.a. the queen of anti-vax, 
Lupita Nyong'o, and Martin Freeman. This movie is going to be huge box office wise, just because so many people are going to be curious about what happens after Chadwick Boseman's death. But like you said, Matt, it's going to be a weird movie because I don't know how they're going to really do Chadwick Boseman justice. Like they're going to have to handle his death in the film. They're going to have to somehow bring in a new person to take up the Black Panther mantle. I don't know how it's going to be like, I don't know if it's going to feel very earned. How do you think they're going to write it? And like, do you think they're going to kill his character off or maybe he just went off like Nick Fury into space to go do do something else? I don't know. I feel like he'll probably die in it. But I mean, obviously, it's going to have to be like an off screen death. I don't think they're going to show him at all via CG. So, yeah, I think it's going to be kind of getting off to a weird foot. Like, how do you explain that and make it not feel kind of weird? I don't know if there's a way to do it. I'm just looking forward to see who they bring in from other MCU movies uh, into Wakanda. And it's going to be interesting because at the end of Black Panther, like Wakanda established that embassy. So they have a larger presence on the global scale. So I'm curious to see how that is going to play into things, too. Yeah. I mean, there's so many threads they need to pick up from that one, but it's just going to be so hard. Hoping it's good. Hoping they knock it out of the park. But obviously, there's a lot to worry about that they can't really control. So we'll see. All right. Yeah. So the next one, um, definitely wanted to shout this out. It sounds super cool. It's called The Fablemans. It's a semi-autobiographical story based on Spielberg's own childhood, and it is in, in turn directed by Steven Spielberg himself. It stars Michelle Williams as the fictional Steven Spielberg character's mom, Paul Dano as the father, and Seth Rogen as the uncle. So I like that Steven Spielberg's telling his own story. I think it's kind of cool. Got a great cast. Uh, he's a great director, obviously. So definitely excited for this one. Yeah, I think it'll be cool. I'm a big Spielberg fan, uh, obviously. So many great movies have come out within our lifetime and our parents' lifetime because of him. So it'd be interesting to see how he kind of came about. Will he reference why he cast Vin Diesel in Saving Private Ryan? Might be like the main plot of the film. We don't know. I, w- I want to see a movie about Steven Spielberg and Vin Diesel's friendship. <laughs> There's no way they Nothing even stronger than family, Steven. Their conversation is Vin Diesel texting him and Steven Spielberg not answering. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, will you come direct the next Fast and Furious movie? I really <laughs> I need somebody because The Rock dropped out. Oh, God. So we got Creed 3 coming out. Uh, it's directed by Michael B. Jordan and stars Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, and Jonathan Majors. We've kind of covered the Rocky and Creed movies on the podcast before. I'm a fan of the Creeds. I'm, I like the second one better than the first, but I gotta be honest, I'm kind of getting a little tired of the whole Rocky universe. Is this the first Creed movie without Sylvester's involvement? I think he was initially supposed to be in it, so I don't know what happened. But yeah, definitely not showing up. So that might be good for you, Keith, uh, that Rocky won't appear. <laughs> so maybe I'll like this one more. If it's going to be in the Rocky universe, I would like for him to appear, but I would just I just want them to wrap it up. I'm actually kind of happy Sylvester's not involved. I get pretty burnt out on his Rocky character. Yeah, uh, I really liked the first Creed. Uh, didn't do the second one in theaters, um, but eventually did see it and ended up surprisingly liking it. Um, so I'm definitely interested in this one. Uh, I feel like it's been a while since the last one, so hopefully it's good. The Michael B. Jordan thing where he's directing it too, I think it's his debut. That kind of intrigues me. Maybe he can prove that we want to see more movies from him. That'd be cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of, I guess to both of your guys' points, it would be cool if this is like the end of a trilogy. Um, maybe like they won't leave it open for more. That could be interesting too. So I hope it's good. I like the movies. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, well, let's close things out now with the month of December. Uh, We first have a franchise that I wish didn't exist, uh, but Avatar 2 is coming out, directed by James Cameron, starring Sam Worthington, Kate Winslet, and Zoe Saldana. Can't believe it. Still doesn't feel real. How is this happening? (laughs) Keith, are you excited to return to the planet of Pandora? Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) 
man, when I first saw this movie, do you guys remember the hype behind this movie? Because they were they, because they were doing like new CGI or something like that, right? And that was like the big thing behind it. But the story this was not fun. Uh, the characters were whatever. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't enjoy the first one. Maybe I need to go back and rewatch it. But I'm not really. I feel like I'm gonna have to see this one, which is what I'm not looking forward to because I'm gonna feel obligated to go see it. But I'm not looking forward to it. I can. I can get you excited for it right now, Keith. With two words, are you ready to change your tune? Yeah. There's somebody in this one that I did not know was in it until looking it up just now, and the idea. I hope he's playing like a Navi or whatever. I hope he's playing a blue guy. Two words. Get ready to change your tune. Ben Diesel. Oh, shit. <laughs> now I have to see it. <laughs> How is Vin Diesel still getting work? I don't know. <laughs> Not only are they making a sequel, but apparently James Cameron is just doubling down uh, on Avatar. This is the only thing he wants to make. Yeah, it's like going from a random sequel to now a full-fledged franchise. So even though I don't like the first one either, I appreciate the visual effects. They look great. Uh, I'm hoping this one has a bit more of a like a like a cool, interesting, fresh story. Um, but I am open to it. I'm I, I'm gonna go in with an open mind and hope it's good. And it could end in a cool way to tease more, obviously. So maybe there's gonna be some good setup. So I hope it's good. But after the first one, I'm definitely not like super excited like most people. I feel like another questionable franchise coming up here, and that's Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, directed by James Wan, starring Jason Momoa, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, and Amber Heard, fresh out of divorce court. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I know, I think I was the highest out of all of us. I really like the first one. Um, I, I'm kind of hopeful for this. I think it could be kind of cool, expanding the world a little bit, bringing back Patrick Wilson to maybe be kind of a hero, potentially, working with Aquaman. That could be interesting. And even though I don't think they used Yaya that great in the first one, I thought that Black Manta design was awesome. So I think having him now actually be the main villain, kind of looking forward to this one. So I, I'm actually kind of high on this. I'm kind of excited. I'm excited for Black Manta to have more of a presence for sure. I, I think the first one's just okay. I think it's a bit overrated. I am excited to see Jason Momoa back um, and, and just return to the city of Atlantis. Um, and Keith, I don't know if you know this, but we do have a new black stealth suit for Aquaman. Are you excited for that? Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Aquaman as well. Um, I can't remember a lot of it, to be honest, but I remember liking it. <laughs> it is pretty forgettable. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember exactly what happened in it, but I do like Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I, I do think uh, James Wan's like, design of the sea and the creatures and just the whole way the whole world functions. Like, I'm excited to see more of that. I think he is a very, as we know, like with visuals and the way he designs characters and monsters, like it all looks really cool. So I'm excited to come back to that stuff. All right. So the last one we want to talk about, I think it's releasing Christmas Day. So one of the last movies of the year is Babylon. This one is from Damien Chazelle making his comeback. He did Whiplash, La La Land, and First Man, I believe, the Neil Armstrong biopic. So he's coming back to do a period drama about like the early days of Hollywood. Uh, so I think that's going to be kind of cool. And it's another one with a great cast, obviously. You have Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Catherine Waterston. Flea randomly from Red Hot Chili Peppers, Samara Weaving, Lucas Haas, and of course, we would we would be remiss not to name him. Uh, one of the nominees for the honorary Mark Hamill Most Improved Award in 2021, Actor of the Year, Mr. Toby McGuire. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised Toby's got room in his schedule because it sounds like he's got more Spider-Man projects in the work. Ooh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I love Damien Chazelle. I mean, those movies I named. I mean, another guy with a great run of movies. Uh, Whiplash is one of my all-time favorites. Also, big La La Land fan and first man. So anything from him I'm excited about. This is definitely his biggest cast to date. So telling a story about the early days of Hollywood with these big hitters. I mean, I doubt they're going to go wrong here. I think Brad Pitt's involvement here is going to be cool since he, you know, like he was the seminal, like leading man for so long in Hollywood. So I think seeing him in a a movie about Hollywood in a certain era, I think that's going to be really cool. All right, guys, before we get out of here, we did want to give a little bit of love to TV as well. A lot of these don't have an actual release date. So I'm just going to list some of the big TV shows coming out this year, some of which I'm assuming we're going to talk about on the podcast and just call out which one you're most excited for. So we have Ozark. Uh, which is going to be coming out in two parts the final season, but the first part starts this January, so very soon. The main Walking Dead show is actually ending this year. Obi-Wan, Andor, Mandalorian Season 3, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Peacemaker also starting very soon, The Midnight Club, which is Mike Flanagan's next project after Midnight Mass, and of course, The Boys Season 3. Can't wait for Midnight Club. Mike Flanagan, that guy ran away with four Ernie's Podcast Awards last week. Can't wait to see what he does next. I'm so intrigued by the She-Hulk show. Can't wait to see how Mark Ruffalo plays into that, how uh, Tim Roth's Abomination plays into that. I really think that's going to be cool. Um, And then The Boys Season 3. Season 2, I think Matt and I were pretty underwhelmed by, if you go back and listen to our episodes of The Boys Talking the Boys. Mm. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do, though, with Season 3. Yeah, I'm also excited for The Boys Season 3, for sure. Uh, Midnight Club. And of course, I got to shout out The Walking Dead ending because I have been staying current on it with Netflix. Oh, really? I don't know how you're still current on that oh, show. It's, it's torture, Austin. <laughs> it's torture. Um, but but I'm, I'm sticking through it. I'm sticking through it. I will finish it. Um, Ozark ending, I, it actually kind of makes me sad because I thought we were going to have a couple more seasons, but I'm cool as long as they do it in a really good way. And then um, Obi-Wan. That's probably my top one I'm pumped for. Back to Tatooine for 13 more hours. <laughs> Can't wait. I'm definitely excited for Ozark as well. Uh, that was more of a binge for me. It was never current on that one. Just watched it all semi-recently. So definitely happy to have that back so I don't have to wait too much longer. Um, whereas Austin mentioned She-Hulk, I think the Marvel show I'm most excited for is Moon Knight starring Oscar Isaac. And Moon Knight is kind of a similar character-ish to Batman. So it's kind of Marvel's Batman, a character dealing with multiple personalities in his head. And he's a very violent superhero. So I'm curious if how much they're going to lean into the potential R rating of that show. And Oscar Isaac is, of course, great. But I think I'm with Keith. I think while Andor could be cool for somebody like me that didn't love Rogue One as much as others, I mean, my number one show of the year is also Obi-Wan. Cannot wait. Ewan McGregor, probably the best part of the prequels. The idea of him coming back as an older Obi-Wan before the events of episode four Super cool. No clue what the story is. All we know is that Hayden Christensen is back as Darth Vader. So I'm curious what their like talks will be like if they even do talk to each other. Um, probably going to get some flashbacks, Clone Wars stuff. But either way, just the idea of seeing more Obi-Wan, I think, is going to be really cool. Will we be seeing any uh, youngling murders in this show? Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, so that covers all of the movie and TV releases that have a date. I know some of the TV shows don't, but you know what we mean. Those are the big ones we could find, some little ones and some indies in there, too. That's 2022. 2021 was not the best for movies and TV, so we're really crossing our fingers that a lot of the ones that we just talked about are big hits. 
But guys, before we close out officially, I want you to give me your number one most anticipated. It can be a movie or a TV show. What are you looking forward to most? I think obviously my number one is, of course, the Batman. Beyond that, though, I think it would have to be the Black Phone and the Northman. Yeah, as far as movies, Batman, Northman, and Scream. Ooh, I'm scared for you, Keith. I'm so scared for you with Scream. <laughs> yeah, man, there are so many. I think my number one, if I had to pick, it'd probably be like Austin, probably the Batman. But my backups might also be the Black Phone, and I'm going to go with... Um, the unbearable weight of massive talent as my other. Of course. I can't wait. How could you not? Nick Cage. Has he ever done wrong? Well. Yes, but you know what I mean. <laughs> not in my eyes, Nick. So with that, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that so we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, that really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back next week to discuss Scream. Lastly, we want to hear from you, so please send us a message on Instagram at The Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What are you looking forward to watching this year? Why are no movies coming out in August? Is Scream going to suck? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. All right, everybody. Let us know your most anticipated. What are you looking forward to most? We'll be back for a scream like the guys said. Have a great week. See you next time. See you. I could act better than Vin Diesel. <laughs>